0: The free online Issues Etc. Journal. Just click the red Journal Subscription button at issuesetc.org. By Lutheran denomination, the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod is meeting in Milwaukee this week. Their triennial regular convention, a lot of decisions to be made. There are a few. Well, I'll, I'll be quite honest in saying there are a few crises that they're dealing with. One of them has to do with a wayward university in our university system, Concordia University, Texas, not just wayward in some of the things that are being taught, but the actual leadership is trying to, well, in essence, make off with the university right under the Missouri Synod's nose. Joining us to talk about some votes at the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod convention about Concordia University, Texas, and the Concordia University system Tom Halverson, he's a convention delegate and attorney in Montana, and he joins us from the LCMS Convention in Milwaukee. Tom, welcome back.
1: Thanks for having me, Todd.
0: Can you give us a brief background on the situation at Concordia University, Texas, and what has the convention done about the issue?
1: Well, the regents, I should say a majority of the regents, because there was a minority that did not vote for what I'm about to describe, but the majority voted in November of 2022 to separate from the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, to completely reject and deny that the university or its regents are stewards on behalf of the synod, to deny that they have to maintain a doctrinal agreement with the written and published doctrinal beliefs of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, to deny that the Synod in convention can appoint regents, which it has been doing ever since we've had these universities, and that some other officers of the Synod can appoint some of the regents, which we've also been doing for many, many years and to simply deny that they have that kind of connection, and also then to become a self-perpetuating board of regents in that the regents themselves appoint new regents whenever there's a vacancy or somebody's term expires, and so that's what we call a self-perpetuating board. And that would allow them to just take the school, its teachings, its doctrine, its spiritual life, its property and everything, and just basically, which belongs to the Senate, And just basically walk off with it. Now, what the convention is doing about it is in a resolution number 7-03, which was adopted yesterday. And that resolution recounts the history that I just described. It's not a very long resolution, so they went into that history only a little more than I just did here because the convention delegates are all aware and well-informed. It didn't need to be schooled in it. And then what it does is calls upon these regents who took these actions to repent and to restore what they have taken and admit that they are stewards, admit that the Senate elects regents and some of the synodical officers appoint regents and that the property belongs to the Senate, et cetera. And if they'll do that, then the offer is there for forgiveness, and in fact, the final resolve of 7-0, mandates the Synodical President and other officials of the Synod to stand ready to pronounce and grant holy absolution, to give restoration and, and have reconciliation, because that's the aim of the whole thing. You can see this is all being done in a very Christian way, a slow and careful and proper loving and tender Christian way, seeking repentance and promising that if they uh, will repent, that they will be restored. There was an amendment offered to that Resolution 7-03, and the idea behind that amendment was a distrust that the committee, which is number seven, and the resolution were really sincere about wanting reconciliation, so they were amending some things in to try to make sure that that would really happen. I was in opposition to that amendment because, first of all, I don't know why we shouldn't take them at their words in the final resolve, which is a perfectly fine Christian statement about reconciliation and forgiveness. But also besides that, it isn't only words. The resolution itself already took action to absolve one and possibly two regents, because when it set out the date of action by the Board of Regents, that would help define which regents might be at risk of discipline for their misbehavior, instead of calling out the November 2022 date, they called out the April 2023 date. There was a vote in November of 2022, the original vote, and a certain number of regents voting wrongly. Later in April of 2023, they reconsidered and they had a vote about reaffirming And in that intervening period of time, at least one, possibly two regents repented and voted correctly to reverse their course and to restore what should be done. So this resolution, by not calling out the November date, but calling out the April date, has already in and of itself granted absolution to those one or two that have repented by not even putting them into the definition of who might be subject to Discipline. So I think that the committee has words that should be taken at face value, and the resolution itself already takes action consistent with that so that there's kind of really no excuse for a Christian to not take them at their word.
0: What did Texas District President Newman have to say to the delegates?
1: He was called by the chair of the convention to make some statements. He's the president for the district, and so under are the bylaws of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, he has what we call ecclesiastical supervision, not of every person in Texas that's a member of a Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Church, but of people like the rostered ministers and so forth. And there are some rostered ministers who are regents on the Board of Regents of Concordia, Texas. So those and some other people that he does have ecclesiastical supervision of And he stated that he is in the process of an investigation and that some people have already had some forms of discipline imposed, that the investigation is ongoing, that there may be additional disciplines to come about in the future. And although he didn't press this very hard, he was suggesting to the convention that we didn't need to pass any of the 703, 704, or 705 resolutions because he, as the district president, already had this all in hand and was taking care of it. So that was pretty much the message that he had.
0: What did uh, Concordia, Texas's President Christian have to say uh, to the delegate? Well,
1: first of all, I should say that because he's not a delegate to the convention and didn't have any other standing by the rules of the convention, would ordinarily give him any right to speak from the floor. There was a proposal made that we suspend the rules, that we do something very extraordinary to invite him and give him the microphone and a chance to say something. And that was something that had to be voted on, because when you suspend the rules, the delegates have to make that decision. That passed overwhelmingly. There was a very minor, insignificant number of votes against that, and it was certainly the right thing to do. So then we allotted to him the same amount of time that any other speaker at a microphone has. All speakers at the microphone are given a limited amount of time to make their speech so that more people can speak. And he was given that same amount of time. He made three points. One of them was that the communication problems between himself, the Board of Regents on the one side, the Board of Directors of Senate on the other side, the Board of Directors of Concordia University System, and admitted that he could have contributed to some of the communication problems, and if that was true that he apologized, he was sorry for that. But then in one of his other points, he basically stated that, yes, what he had done is, and what the university regents had done, is what has been reported. What you've said on your program, some of your guests, Mark Stern and others, have said they did, which was to, without authority and contrary to the bylaws, and Constitution of the Senate just kind of went off on their own and amended their articles, amended their bylaws, and took all these actions that are supposed to ask for review and approval of, and they didn't ask for review, they didn't have approval, and they just went and did it to cut off their stewardship and to just go independent as if they were never part of the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate. And then there was a rejoinder. The chair called upon the Committee 7 and they selected Christian Price, uh, one of the lay members of that committee, who very nicely and in such a gentlemanly and Christian way point out that for those of you delegates who have been having a hard time seeing what to make of this whole issue, look, the president himself just told you that what they did was this rogue action of just walking off from the synod. So if you weren't sure before what was happening you are now, and it's from the person himself, the president of the university. I had the idea that maybe the vote would be roughly two thirds, somewhere between 66 and 68 percent for Resolution 703. But when I heard that speech, where he was essentially confessing the reason why we needed 7 03, I think he added to the votes for it and it ended up somewhere around
0: 72% so the delegates overwhelmingly passed that resolution regarding Concordia Texas you described it before but does it have as they say teeth
1: it does particularly with respect to those that are rostered as ministers of religion ordained and ministers of religion commissioned in the lutheran church missouri senate starting there that's where the teeth are the strongest because when it discusses that if after all the process that we must go through both as christians and under our bylaws to seek the repentance and seek reconciliation and if in the end they just don't you eventually reach the point where the discipline that it, well, there's many kinds of discipline that are potential, but one of them is for them to lose their rostered status. In other words, an ordained minister being removed from the roster means that they're no longer eligible for a call to a pastorate in the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. And the same thing with ministers of religion commission, the kind of postings that they're eligible to be called to around in the synod, in churches, and other parts of the synodical organizations, they would no longer be able. So it's like losing your credentials, losing qualification for these positions. That's teeth. And there are other forms of discipline short of that. There are some suspensions and various things that can take place, especially as far as those folks. Yeah, there's some real teeth there. And I think that if any of the others that might be lay people, where the same teeth don't apply, see things like that actually happen, if that's where it actually starts going, I think that will have a very strong effect on finally bringing them around to realizing that they must be in the wrong and they should repent. And if they do, the arms of Missouri are open to them to receive them back into fellowship and give them the forgiveness of sins.
0: How would you project this issue is going to develop from here on out?
1: Well, this afternoon, we will be voting for four regents for Concordia University, Texas, during the period when we're electing for all of the Concordias. So then what I think would be the very next thing of a conflict nature is, of course, when there is an election like this, and then the next meeting of the regents takes place, of course, people who have been elected show up for the meeting and expect to be seated and begin to participate and cast votes and so forth. We can see that if there's not repentance before then, that the current people who are calling themselves the Board of Regents, and I'm now saying at this stage that the imposter Board of Regents, as well as the president of the university, Don Christian, the provost and first vice president of the university, Christy Kirk, they're going to resist and not let these legitimately elected regents be seated. So then that sets up a conflict that courts resolve. There's a number of different ways courts can go about it. One of the common ways, if if we were in Montana, which we're not, it's gonna be in Texas, so it could be a different procedure. But if we were in Montana, it would be an application for a writ of quo warranto, which is just Latin meaning, by what warrant or authority are you doing this? And so in other words, you petition the court to issue an order to the imposter regents to explain why they think they are the regents and why they think they have this authority and why they can not seat and basically oust from the seats of the legitimate four regents who were elected at the Senate convention. So then they have to make their argument. And one thing I know about courts is that when you get into this kind of stuff, it doesn't seem to make any difference about political, philosophical orientation or anything else No matter what kind of a judge or a court you get in front of, in this area of the law, what they really like is predictability and stability. They want things to be by ordinary process that is predictable, reliable, has been what we're doing, and and it isn't something new and novel and you know, sort of cooked up. And it's going to be, I think, extremely difficult for the uh, imposter regents to escape the fact that what they've done is irregular as irregular ever got. I mean, I don't know how you imagine anything more irregular than this. And that the election by the Synod in Convention, which has been happening every three years for decades, that that isn't the regular thing. I think they've really got to start looking at their whole card down there in Texas on that.
0: Tom Halverson is our guest. He's a convention delegate at the LCMS convention in Milwaukee and an attorney in Montana. We're talking about votes today at the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's convention about Concordia University, Texas and the Concordia University system. On the other side, what did they decide about that system? The free online Issues Etc. journal. Just click the red journal subscription button at issuesetc.org. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod cares deeply for those who protect our nation. Are you or a loved one currently serving? Ministry to the Armed Forces would like to help. We provide devotional literature to encourage faith. Send your mailing address to lcmschaps at lcms.org or call us at 314-996-1337. Those in uniform are comforted with Psalm 28. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in Him and He helps me. Confessional Lutherans,
1: we've got your back. You're listening to Issues Etc.
0: Traditional liturgical worship, it's so much more than a style preference. It
1: reflects transcendence in the divine service. The living God comes to us in real space and time through the word and sacraments. Hi, this is Pastor Nigel Brown from Hope Lutheran
0: Church in Hampton, Virginia.
1: If you're looking for
0: reverent worship and serious Bible study, look us up. We're in Hampton with Bible studies in Hampton and Williamsburg. We celebrate the divine service with communion every Sunday. Check us out at HopeHampton.org. Here's what a Lutheran pastor had to say about our Issues Etc. Book of the Month for August, the baptismal river studying the sacrament throughout Scripture. Rev. Davenport's study is a pleasant surprise. He develops the richness of baptism from the Old Testament, integrating theological themes with the New Testament. He makes excellent use of Scripture, the Confessions, and theologians to answer relevant questions about baptism. Find out more about the Issues Etc. Book of the Month for August, The Baptismal River, at our website, issuesetc.org, or call Concordia Publishing House and order it 1-800-325-3040. 1-800-325-3040, one 800 The Baptismal River. We're talking with Tom Halverson, a convention delegate at the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod's regular convention in Milwaukee, about votes today on the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod's Concordia University system. So, Tom, what did the delegates decide today about the entire system of Concordia Universities?
1: Well, the other two resolutions that I mentioned, 704 and 705, are about the Concordia University system, but they are not really about Concordia, Texas. Only 703 is about Texas. But the other two are about all the Concordias, which of course includes Texas, but it isn't about trying to fix the specific problem in Texas. It's about improving the Concordia system generally. So 704 is something that's been coming for 10 years. It isn't that long ago, really, that the Concordia University System and its board was created to try to bring some kind of coordination because we had nine universities spread all around the country and sometimes duplicating things, sometimes working at cross-purposes, et cetera. And so that's poorly managed. So they created the Concordia University System to tighten that up, harmonize it, and economize, and also improve the doctrinal fidelity and the Lutheran spirituality of the universities and their campuses. And it did make improvements. It was a step in a good direction, but right from the beginning, it didn't actually do what even its creators sort of hoped. It It didn't perform as well as they thought. And there were ideas about at least tweaking it or refining it, if not just plain revising it, more or less from the beginning. In the 2013 convention of the Synod, there was a more formal and vigorous resolution passed to study and start looking at a a solution. It didn't get as far as it should have, and so the 2016 convention said that again. Still, there wasn't the progress on it that there should have been. In the 2019 convention in Tampa, they passed what in that convention was numbered the 7-03 resolution, to form a specific committee to really get this kick-started and going, and that actually got it into gear. It just almost would exhaust you to just sit and listen to all of the collaborating, all of the contacting people, inviting their participation, inviting their comments and their ideas and contributions, working them together, and then if you get two sort of contradictory recommendations from two different people that are involved in the system, to get those people together to talk about it and kind of harmonize, it just goes on. Like I said, it'd be exhausting to just hear it be described, how much work has gone into this since 2019. They made their recommendation, it comes to the floor committee, which is committee seven, turns into 704 this year, in which there's quite a few pages and what it does is to firstly separate out the functions between the spiritual and the worldly or what in lutheran theology we call the kingdom of the right hand and the kingdom of the left hand and on the kingdom of the right the spiritual part of the universities try to draw the universities into a closer connection to the synod and our doctrines religion and faith and they do that primarily by a set of visitation procedures and then on the kingdom of the left, which would involve more of the business and property and finance and administration type issues, it kind of tightened those up and simplified it, or moved them out of the Concordia University Board of Directors and put them into the synodical Board of Directors because that board already had the primary responsibility as to property matters. And they might as well then also have the primary responsibility to other administrative or kingdom of the left matters so that is what 704 does the five university presidents of the concordia university system were on the stage when committee seven presented 704 and they unanimously endorsed they they talk in glowing terms about how respected they all the universities including texas had been in the process of developing this And how they got 85% is what the number they put on it of the things that they asked for they got. And, of course, nobody ever gets 100% when you've got a 40-page revision of bylaws. And so they felt they had been as respected as they could have ever hoped. They are endorsing. They think this is going to help them administer these schools to make them what they agree that the Synod wants, that they want. And so that resolution, there was some discussion and some attempts at amendments and so on. But basically, there wasn't much in the way of opposition that was passed by a very resounding margin by the convention.
0: Finally, Tom, there was another resolution that spoke to this situation, 705. Tell us about that one.
1: Well, 705 has to do with the composition of the boards of regents at all of the universities. And so this one isn't specifically about Texas, but it's about a problem that they all have. So, first of all, if your listeners understand that you can have a board that goes up to as many as 18 people, and roughly half of them are either elected by the Senate in convention or they are appointed by some officials in the Senate. And of course, because those people obtain their seats, from the synod, they understand the synod, they understand the church and its doctrine and its spiritual life. And of course, they wanna be loyal to the people who put them there, elected them, or appointed them. And so their actions as regents have been pretty good, that group of people, that those aren't the ones that are causing the universities to drift away from Lutheran identity. But then, once those people are there, there are some others that are appointed by the regents rather than elected by the Synod or appointed by officers of the Synod. And it's that group, those appointed ones that are appointed by the board itself, that don't sense that they owe anything to the Synod because they weren't chosen by the Synod, and don't seem to have as much comprehension of our identity and our doctrines and so on, and it's the decisions that when that group gets a majority of votes in a regent's board at one of the schools, that causes things to drift. Is my good friend, Joe Olson, who's a quite an accomplished attorney here in Milwaukee, who explained this to me with regard to Concordia, Wisconsin. So that's when I got involved with this. And one of the resolutions that came to the convention was one that I wrote for the Montana district to simply eliminate all of those positions because that's where the problems were coming out of. What Committee 7 did was recognize that that's where the problem is coming from, but they took a more tempered, reasonable, and measured approach than what the one that I wrote was by continuing to have those regents, but not letting appointed regents have a vote in appointing other regents. They vote on everything else, but they can't vote on selecting regents. So that tightens up the commitment to the synod better. And also the ones that are going to be selected and appointed by the Board of Regents rather than elected by the synod directly have to go through a kind of a vetting process where the president of the synod, the presidium of the synod and others is quite a large group that really, of course, are central leaders of the synod and understand our doctrine and faith. These candidates have to be looked at and sort of approved by them. And then the fact that they're appointed isn't nearly as likely for them to be the kind of people that would drift and sort of carry the university off and away distant from the Senate. So the actions of the Committee 7 on 7-05 can hardly be called radical or called harsh or anything like that. They tempered it back into a middle ground from resolutions that were sent into them. I think this is worth a try. It may prove out that it still isn't enough, but it it was a very good step forward, and it was very moderate. It's a very loving and tender way to do it. So uh, I ended up being glad to support 705. And it, again, like all the, the matters in the convention about the Concordia's, passed by a very handy margin. And as you and I were talking before the convention, it turned out to be true that the mood of this convention was to give the leadership the tools that they were asking for to fix the system generally, but also particularly deal with the situation in
0: Texas tom halverson is a convention delegate he's an attorney in montana and he joined us from the 68th regular convention of the lutheran church missouri synod in milwaukee tom thank you very much
1: thank you pastor wilkin
0: when we come back in hour two of issues etc we'll be looking forward to sunday morning according to the one-year lectionary the gospel reading from luke chapter 16 has a mystifying parable where jesus appears to commend dishonesty We'll be right back.
1: Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., PO Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio.